Welcome to the Dave Witty Show. I'm your host, Dave Witty. Thanks for joining me again, folks. Hope you're having a great week out there. Uh, I want to say big thanks to Mark Ballard for coming on last week. Um, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, no discredit to any of my other guests, but I, I just loved hearing that story. I mean, I, I read that book Into Thin Air a long time ago, and I've just been kind of like enthralled with Everest ever since. And to actually know somebody and actually chat with somebody who did that enormous trek i just thought was just crazy 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 so yeah big thanks to mark ballard and if anybody here is is tuning in uh this week and and might have caught uh missed last week's story uh you can find it on my youtube channel or or spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast uh you can check out the episode with mark ballard who is a, a newfoundlander who um who climbed mount everest over the course of seven weeks just a crazy crazy story uh and a really nice guy and super interesting conversation Got another great uh, conversation today coming up with um, Nick Earl, who's a fantastic musician uh, from St. John's. He's young man. He's like 21 years old. Uh, he's been playing music literally for like, well, obviously his whole life, but he's been actually playing, um, you know, consecutively and with different bands and, and professionally um, for like eight years. I mean, this guy's 21. You talk to him, he's got a world of knowledge. It's It blows my mind every time uh, you talk to Nick because he just is you know, so easy to talk to. And, uh, he, he really knows what's going on. He knows the scene, he knows the industry. Uh, and he's just an awesome, awesome dude, like super, super nice and, and funny and, and just a great conversation. So make sure you do stick around for that conversation with Nick Earl. Uh, that's coming up in a little bit, uh, with regards to myself, uh, I had a fun weekend. I did a few gigs. I played at golf shots in Mount Pearl, uh, where I'll be doing every second Thursday. So you can come and find me there at Mount Pearl. Got a great little pub in there where you can go in and do the golf simulators and, and uh, you know, there's a bunch of games, ping pong and darts and great space, great space to, uh, to sit back and, and watch some games, watch a, you know, watch a hockey game or, or watch a baseball game or watch a golf tournament. Uh, yeah, so you can find me there every, every second Thursday. Uh, Friday, I did a... Um, a uh, really fun gig at the Bull and Barrel, which is uh, one of my favorite places within within the city. Uh, I love it so much there. It's just like a real homey vibe. It's like you're hanging out with all your friends and, uh, you know, at one of the boys' living rooms or something like that. I mean, it's a really, really great spot. The staff there rules. Uh, the crowd that hangs out there, it's always like musicians and, and bar staff and, and just really, really uh, cool people who love to hear music. Um, big thanks to Tino and the gang over there for for uh for get me on there friday uh they've got a new live stream set up you might have seen that from my my social media pages at the bull live uh, live streams they're uh one of their sets from their their artists who perform on the weekend so uh, if you might have caught that it was it was a nice little treat to have that live feed up there uh i had a ton of great comments from that one too so thanks to that uh saturday went out around the bay out to the cabin and i uh, had a little laugh with a few of my friends and uh just you know played some darts and and, and watched a couple of the jays games and and uh, Sunday, I was back in town for my gig at Greensleeves, where you can find me every Sunday, uh, at least for the summer anyways, there at 6.30s on Sundays. I mean, it's half-price appetizers, guys, $6 pints, really, really great deal on Sunday evenings. And you get yours truly down there banging out some tunes. So uh, come on down and see me some some weekend or some Sunday when you're uh, when you're relaxing and you just want to kick back maybe and order a little, little grub and, and uh, hear some live tunes. Um... The world of sports has been, you know, entertaining at, at, at no doubt. I mean, 
Uh, the Leafs have lost three in a row. I'm not going to go too hard on the Leafs this week. Uh, I really dug into the Leafs last week, and I was I was chatting with a few people over the weekend who said they've you know they're really big fans of the podcast, um, and they thought it was interesting how much of the Leafs I talked about. But then I said I said you know what. This is why I started a podcast because I wanted an area to uh, to talk about the Leafs. I'm a big sports guy, guys. Like I love this. I love sports so much. I mean, I'm a musician. I'm, I'm a songwriter, and I love all things that that come with that that scene and industry. But I love bullshitting sports. Like I love talking about hockey and and baseball and and and, and basketball and everything. So uh, I'm not gonna not gonna dig too much on the Leafs. I mean, we're three game skid right now. Uh, goaltending's looking shaky. I, I pumped Jack t- Jack Campbell's tires really, really hard there a few weeks ago, you know. And uh, this guy looks shaky right now, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see when the new lineup lineup additions come in. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the goaltending. Um, but you know, once we get all those pieces in place, then we can really give it a good assessment. I mean, there's only Jesus must be only twelve or thirteen games left. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. They played the Vancouver Canucks, and if even if you're not a sports fan i mean you can appreciate this and i do too because i i I mean with this thing that's going on in the world with covid and i mean it's it's affected everybody no doubt guys it's it's affected everybody and and uh the vancouver canucks they had i think 21 personnel on their team who who got this like brazilian variant you know so it wasn't just a regular covid i mean so they were out of commission, I think, three weeks. The first game back, they played against the Leafs. And uh, they were down 2 nothing. Kind of looked like the Leafs were going to run away with it. And Vancouver stormed back and, and pulled out a big win. I mean, uh, kudos to, to them and kudos to, to Braden Holpe, their goaltender. He had a, a you know, crazy good game. Um but yeah, it's uh, you, got, you really got to hand it to the Canucks after coming back. I'm, I'm sure those guys still weren't feeling 100. percent So I thought that was uh, you know, outstanding on, on their behalf. Sucks to see the Leafs lose, but you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of sports, so I like good sports stories. Um, looks like the Raptors are just on heavy tank mode right now, which is hilarious. Uh, they're just getting fined every game for not starting their players, but I don't even know what's. What a what a shit show of a season for the for the Raptors. They've been playing in Tampa Bay all year. They haven't been able to play at home. Uh, so I mean, it's kind of a write off year. Be interesting to see what happens in the offseason with the Raptors and if they make any big moves. Uh, and if at all possible, they'll be coming back to Canada anytime soon. But you know, with the state that Ontario is in right now, it's it's really not looking too promising. Uh, Ontario's announcing like thousands of cases a day again. Really, really tough situation going on there. We've been so lucky here in Newfoundland. I mean, uh, we've had some pretty big scares and stuff, but it looks like we're pretty much smooth sailing again here now for a little while. I mean, as long as everybody stays, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, on 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 route and on par and and trying to keep uh, trying to keep it all together and and staying safe. Um, you know that's the main thing, and and really trying to keep this uh, this summer open here in Newfoundland because it would make a, a huge difference to, you know, everyone's mental health. Everyone's everyone's getting kind of getting there with at the point at this point with this thing. So um, yeah, not gonna ramble on too much about sports this week. Gonna leave it to uh, had you know had a really really great interview with Nick Earl. Uh, he was fantastic. So um, I'm just gonna throw it over to him right now. So make sure you do stick around for Nick Earl. And I'd like to welcome Nick Earl to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Nick. How you doing, man? Oh, man, thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm doing good, keeping busy as much as possible. But uh, yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty productive day around here. I 
watched my friend put some wall sconces into my wall and I went to Home Depot and picked up some trim. I mean, I don't know if that's what I've been dealing with uh, with these days, but uh, anyways, yeah, thanks for coming on today, man. I uh, really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day. I know you've been pretty busy and you got lots going on. Um, for our listeners at home, can you just maybe introduce yourself, let everybody know who you are? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a singer songwriter from St. John's, Newfoundland, and uh, and I hope to be for, for the next while. Hey, <laughs> I hear you, man. No, you're absolutely fantastic. Nick, I've known you for... I, <laughs> It feels like my whole life and you're not even old. I mean, I'm sure you must get that all the time. Like, but I mean, you've been beating around for years, man. You've been playing shows and, 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 you know, at, at awards showcases and, and all that stuff. And, you know, and I feel like, you know, even over the last couple of years, we, we've got to know each other quite a bit better. I mean, you've performed with me on, on a couple of occasions, a big Christmas show and we did a big New Year's Eve show. I'm sure there probably would have been more, honestly, if, if it all hadn't have gone to shit, like no doubt, <laughs> yeah. you know? And there will be some again in the future, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to dig into like right away, just, I kind of wanted to start to talk about, you know, kind of growing up. I mean, I, I don't want to, we're going to talk about, you know, the projects that you have as well, obviously mm -hmm. going on now and some you've been into, what were like some of like, I know you've been playing for a long while. Like, I mean, you're only, is it 20 or 20 or 21, uh, 21, 21, 21. Yeah. And, and, and you've been, you've been performing, like not only just as a guitar player at home, but you've been performing live. Uh, for a number of years. I mean, not just yeah. locally, you've been all over over Canada and, and, you know, all different parts of the world performing music. Uh, you know, what are some of your early inspirations and, and like what kind of got you started in music? My uh, my parents are both musicians. So without them, you know, I definitely wouldn't be exposed to uh, as much music as I was. You know, my dad's a guitar player uh, and a singer. My mom sings as well. So um, right from day one, I was always, you know, surrounded by music and uh, there was like a little piano in the house a little toy piano uh when i was like two or three started messing with that so um they put me in piano lessons and then i later found uh guitar when i was uh eight eight or nine and then from there that's that's just all i wanted to do was be a guitar player um and so i just would practice all the time every single day listen and i didn't i you know learn you learn now differently you know there's so many lessons available to kids and stuff online to learn uh my whole thing was watch dad play his few chords and then i'd go listen to a cd uh or listen to the radio and just try to play along um so that was you know two of them early you know are my earliest influences into music uh and then my first few years gigging uh was with them too which is really cool so um you know my first uh, first gigs on, you know, George street were with my parents, which is, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> you mentioned your dad playing. I mean, you're a left-handed guitar player. Did your dad play left? No. And that's, uh, he, uh, he gets a little pissed with that. Cause anytime I acquire a new instrument, he uh, can't really play it. Um, but yeah, he had a lot of patience. So they didn't force me to play right-handed. Uh, and it was silly cause I'm right-handed myself. I just decided it was a good way to play. Um, so he like, Put a right-handed guitar like in my arms upside down so i could just like strum away and he like form chords and just you know build a sense of rhythm for me and, and stuff like that so they're for, right from day one they were always really supportive in what i was doing and, and we're just like hey you know whatever you want to do we're gonna, we're gonna be there to help you out no and, and they are awesome people i've met them both on on numbers of occasions man they're always out at your shows i remember we did a show actually together um witty band and nick earl it was the nick earl band it was i think it was the last show before it actually became the reckless hearts essentially i believe so yeah and um 
your folks are selling merch for you. I mean, they're, they're awesome. They're awesome people, man. They're always out to the shows and you know, they're always good for a drink and, and a laugh. Like they're, they're, they're super awesome. Yeah. That, that's really neat that, you know, it kind of got that influence from, uh, from your dad and your mom both as well. Um, what were some of your early inspirations, like musically, like uh, your bands, like you listen to growing up and stuff? Yeah. Uh, I, every kid, it seems gotten to the Beatles. Um, for me, my two biggest inspirations and they kind of contrast from each other uh, was Stevie Ray Vaughan, phenomenal blues guitar player and then the original guitar player for kiss ace freely so it was just like i loved kiss like 70s kiss was was my shit like that's all i wanted to listen to and i loved the, the whole stage and the performance aspect of their shows uh and then when it came to the root of you know the soul of music and, and looking at blues stuff that's where stevie Ravon came in so uh you'll kind of hear that in my electric playing and kind of you know see both of those styles i, I like to think anyway yeah, no, I, yeah, you, you nail it. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I hear that definitely in you. Um, starting off with some of the projects, like um, I know obviously you have the Reckless Hearts going, you know, uh, right now. And before that was Erlen Coffin, but before that was even was Stompbox, right? Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that project and, and what that entailed? Yeah, so when I was when I was thirteen, I uh, started. Uh, thirteen was my first paid gig downtown, and it was a blues jam uh, with Dennis Parker uh, and Dennis Parker and John Clark, and I think a few other hands came in that night, and I got to play a set with the guys, and that's kind of what got my name out as a, as a blues kid here in St. John's. Um, and then just through gigging over the next couple of years, I met Joe Coffin, uh, who, you know, of course, is half Earl and Coffin, who also was in Stompbox. So we started uh, jamming a little bit playing blues stuff uh and i'd already been friends with the drummer of stompbox jacob cherwick uh who is also a lovely fiddle player and i gigged around with him doing instrumental music because i didn't sing for a long time uh probably my first five five or six years gigging i didn't i didn't sing at all um so three of us would jam together just mainly acoustic blues stuff and uh just have some gigs around uh you know the avalon peninsula area and uh and then we were looking for a bass player and you know as 14 15 year old kids there's not a ton of bass players out there which all i'm saying if you want to play bass go play bass because i love playing bass it might gonna, be my favorite thing ever i'm gonna say as a 34 year old there's not many bass players around but yeah <laughs> Sorry, continue. So, yeah. So we put an ad on Kijiji and found Nick Benza, um, who's who's you know, the son of Paul Benza, who taught at Mun for many years and was an absolute brilliant musician in his own right. Uh, so yeah, we started just gigging together and uh, had a love for electric music as well. And we was like, we got to rock it up, uh, and and we want we wanted to be unique wherever we went. So we started wearing suits <laughs> everywhere we played. So it's this blues rock band that's going to be really loud and and kick the door down, but we're going to show up in suits. Um, Looking dapper as fuck every time, yeah. <laughs> every time, man. That's that's it, man. You gotta we had to dress the part, and uh, and people seem to appreciate it for a long time. Yeah, no, that's really neat, and and and. A when I was doing a little background on you, I, I noticed that um, well, I didn't realize originally that uh, Joe was in Stompbox as well. So was that where the transition came to Erlen Coffin? Yeah, we uh, we have kept doing the acoustic stuff while we were playing with Stompbox. And then as uh, the Stompbox gigs kind of phased out, we just kept pushing through with uh, with the with the duo. But we always remained on, on great terms with the guys. And and uh, we've done a, a reunion show since Stomp with Stompbox. And uh, I, I don't say uh, that would be the last one. I say we'll do it again. I got to hand but, it to you, Nick, man. You, you always intrigue me so much. You're 21 years old and you're, you're doing reunion shows already. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you got to keep it going somehow. I mean, early but, coffin were, I mean, you guys were, um, 
like really on fire. I mean, for a while, like uh, there was a couple of Canadian blues awards or folk awards in there, so, I believe. Right. Yeah. So uh, together we won two Canadian folk music awards. We were nominated for like a multitude of, of ECMAs and Maple Blues awards and, and music and L awards. And we won a couple together too. Uh, and for us, it was just, you know, right. We 15, 16, we were, you know, gigging that blues stuff. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of young kids doing that. And we just wanted to be a force in the blues community and, and represent our province. Well, um, we got to do the international blues challenge and go gig down in Memphis and that. And, and we, we toured every province. We, we missed the territories, but we, we played a gig in every province and uh, toured down the States a little bit too. And, and just wanted to, you know, keep blues music alive, but also have our own twist on it. And, and, uh, and yeah, just, just gig as much as we could. Yeah, no, no doubt. Absolutely. And, and and you guys did. I mean, I remember watching just the the tours as, as, as a, like how old you would have been about 15 then 16, perhaps. Or? Yeah. Fi- yeah. We, we gig together doing that from, uh, from 15 to 18. So okay, like yeah. those, those three years we, we pushed pretty hard. <laughs> and you mentioned, you know, kind of keeping the blues alive and, 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 and that major influence on you. I mean, that probably goes hand in hand with saying that's kind of, uh, I want to get into the reckless hearts. So, you know, does, does that music still kind of transition? I know what it does, but for our listeners, I mean, does that music still transition to the new band, which is now Nick Earl and the reckless hearts? Yeah. So uh, that whole endeavor um, was, came after my first solo record. And for me, I wanted to have one last push uh, into blues music and blues rock music, just because it meant so much to me. And as much as I, I still will play that music in my live show, uh, I just wanted to have something recorded. That was, it was the power trio or playing blues rock. And it's just, it's aggressive. It's meaty. It's in the face. Uh, and we want, we would just want to get it out to people because there's not a lot of people playing that music anymore. And for me, it was really important to have, have a record uh, made like that. Yeah, I, sorry, I kind of jumped ahead there. I, I meant to ask you, uh, upon reading some few a few things there, it looked like Joe was kind of looking to do something else outside of music. He was, you know, aiming a different way. I mean, you're only a young guy. It's per- kind of made perfect sense to kind of roll into, to uh, you know, a solo career then, which is which is when you recorded Breaking New Ground, which is before the Reckless Hearts, right? But it Correct. features it features. Dan is Dan on the record? Yeah, Dan, so Dan played on the record, and yep. then uh, and um, and quote the Raven uh, sang some harmonies, and Rachel Cousins is on that record too, and then I did all the guitars and bass and stuff, and it was really the first crop of tunes that I I had written. Um, and uh, they're basically written on in the wings of Erlen Coffin shows. You know, while we were touring, I just go like, you know, sit in the in the wings of the of the hall while we did a sound check or something. And and uh, uh, it was a really stripped down approach of writing music, just literally pen and paper and an acoustic guitar. And um, and yeah, it was just it's it just a different endeavor. It's just I'm always exploring musically and just wanted to have something uh, something different. Was that your first real kind of? take at singing then or were you doing much singing with Erlen Coffin or was I, was that where you kind of kind of broke new ground on the singing yeah so I uh I sung uh, a few tracks on the second Erlen Coffin record uh that was like a, a electric band thing uh titled wood wire blood and bone uh and then on the EP uh that we did it was called the day in July and that one won a Canadian folk music award um I sang a few tracks on that but right. uh really you know, I was singing some of her live sets, but it was it was only like in the in the last you know the last run of Rolling Coffin when I was really singing. So that was my vocal debut. Uh, it was the first time that I had to carry a show on stage myself, uh, and definitely like in the studio, it was just it was it was a very very big learning process. You know, trying to carry uh, a record by yourself. You know, at least vocally. Yeah, no doubt, absolutely. So you know, uh, you put out that record, Dan, and then 
you know, what, what kind of came of the Reckless Hearts? Like, where did that come into the picture? I, it was it you didn't want to keep a solo career. You were looking for more of a band feel or, you know, how did that kind of come about? Yeah. So the, the Reckless Hearts really just became the touring band for the Breaking New Ground record. And then as uh, we kept playing shows and gigging together, uh, I realized I had to cut a second record to, to, you know, to do something. And I realized that I wanted to at least have one more kick at blues music and, and have something a little, a little more grittier. Um, so it was just a matter of, of playing with, uh, with those cats, Claire Follett and Dan George. And, uh, and we went to, uh, we worked with Paul Brace on that record. We recorded at Vibe City Studio and, um, just went in and started doing some sessions as a trio, tried to keep it as raw as possible. A lot of stuff was recorded live off the floor. Um, and just wanted to have music with with a lot of feel to it, and that wasn't super polished. Uh, and it was it showed the evolution of of myself as a musician and how I wanted to make a record and do it that way. Um, but it also just showcased a different side of of me. And it's a, it was a lot of electric blues and a lot of guitar solos and, and and with the live shows for that, it was a lot of hair flips and and, and kicking stuff. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the uh, what was the, like the some of the songwriting processes for that record? Was it mainly yourself, or was there some input from the band and or in the studio, or did you kind of bring a song in, or how how did that kind of play out with the songwriting process? Yes, yeah, starting out, I had a couple tracks. Uh, the lead single off that album. Um, it was called I Want to Know. And uh, I was actually on tour with Dan and Hunter Madden was with us. Uh, Claire couldn't make that that tour. And we were, were jamming uh, in Rothstein, New Brunswick. And just just like at a barbecue, you know, I had, had a few beer or whatever. And just like sitting out, hanging out, jamming out. And uh, we had a full setup where we were. So it was just like the guitars were set up, bass, drums. And we just started jamming. Just started jamming over. I was tuned to Open G, playing some slide licks. And just through riffing out and, and just like literally just ad-libbing lyrics on the spot. Spot, um we just came up with a tune so you know those two fellows have a co-write on that oh and, nice uh, and that was that was the lead single for the album and that's that's what still gets the most attention uh today it is it's uh, a banger no doubt like, <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a great man. track yeah hunter madden man I, I don't i don't i've never met hunter before i follow him on instagram he follows me and i i, I see him play on live on, on instagram and stuff like he's a monster like that he, dude got chops yeah got he chops can for play days. man and not just he plays everything like he rips bass. He's a great drummer. He's a guitar player. Like it's, oh yeah, man, we, it's uh, crazy. Yeah, man. The few dates that I did with Hunter were, were incredible. We had a, we had a set opening for Miles Goodwin of, of April Wine doing his blues thing at the in PEI. And, uh, and like just, just a power trio is myself, Hunter and Dan and just trading solos back and forth with, with your bassist is like it's not the most <laughs> common thing ever. And to be able to do that, I mean, he, he pushed me really hard on those dates to, uh, to be a better player and it's like some of the best guitar i've played so far was probably on that those run of dates only because he was just pushing me with with all of his chops <laughs> yeah i bet i bet so the last record uh you put out is uh nick or only reckless hearts self, mm -hmm. uh self-titled right it is yeah yeah uh nominated for four awards and you took home three awards i believe in 2020 right it was the i think uh I think or two. two yeah two, sorry yeah, rock artist yeah. rock artist of the year and group of the year Correct. Yeah, man. Great awards. I mean, must have been really neat. I, I know it's like uh, it, one cool thing I, I thought about that when I first read that. Obviously, I knew it at the time. I was just getting refreshed on it today. But, you know, group of the year. I mean, that must have felt pretty good. I mean, the rock artist of the year. I know you've been working pretty hard yourself, but it, it must have been nice to have that feeling and to be able to share it with the band. Right. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. They, uh, they put a lot of work into that record. Uh, and as much as we didn't get to tour it, like we wanted to, uh, uh it was really nice to see that people won't appreciate it, the music. Uh, and then of course that music and L, uh, you know, give us the honor of, of that, which is, which is great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no doubt. Congratulations on that. I mean, it's, uh, it, it shows in all your hard work. I mean, I see you working all the time and you're, you're a, a slave to the game and a dog, you know, um, it's incredible. And we were chatting just the other night. Um, and, and we were discussing the ECMAs that are coming up. Uh, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit online on, on that and, and kind of chat with everybody, you know, at home. And I mean, obviously we're in a real weird situation. Like it's COVID is, 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 is still here. Like it's still in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's taken over Ontario. You see what's happening in other parts of Canada. We've been very lucky. I mean, mm-hmm. I read something the other day. It's like, I don't know if you've been lucky or we've been good. You know, there's, I don't know if there's a difference. I think there's a bit of both. We come from a small place, small Island. Um, so I think that's played in our favor, but on top of that, we've also been good. There's been some big lockdowns and stuff like that right now. We're doing pretty good again. Me and you are back to gigging pretty regularly, yep. you know, for the most part um, doing our weekday gigs and stuff like that. Um, but the ECMAs were coming up and, and I know just, you know, as of two or three weeks ago, it was looking like all hands on deck. I mean, everybody was, was, was traveling from, from Newfoundland because it looks like the bubble was going to open with, with no restrictions. And if, if for anybody who's, who's maybe listening outside of Newfoundland or Atlantic Canada, uh, the Atlantic bubble is, is essentially, uh, they align the four provinces uh, with Newfoundland, Labrador, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and New Brunswick to basically become as one. So you could travel freely within the four of them without having to quarantine for any period of time. Um, so that was looking like it was the way it was going to be for, uh, the ECMAs, which are this year in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Uh, it looks like things kind of, there's been red flagged. So what, what's the plan right now? I know you had a big showcase coming up. So, you know, what's, what's happening with that? Yeah. Like, for, first of all, I, I know I speak on the, I can speak probably confidently on behalf of a lot of bands right now and artists that we're going to showcase uh, when I say I'm gutted, we're all pretty gutted. Um, but also you can't expect things to, to be normal when, you know, there's a virus still, you know, everywhere and we're, we're dealing with a global pandemic. Um, so, you know, as of right now, um, basically they're, they're allowing artists to submit con- content that was recorded. So it's kind of like a virtual showcase uh, and that artists that can still go and attend the conference that can, you know, can, can, or that are able to quarantine for possibly a month, uh, but maybe just two weeks, uh, those artists can still go and showcase. Um, but I'm not really sure what that's going to do for the bills of shows and, and things like that. Um, I know out of, uh, I think the eight acts from, from Newfoundland and Labrador that we're going to go showcase, I think only two are going now. So uh, I'm not really sure uh, how that's going to go and how it's going to play out. And the whole conference, the only thing about it, like, that's super strange to me is that the the only thing that's live is the showcase. The delegates are not attending now. All the panels, all the conference stuff that you would do is all virtual. So you're just going to be sitting in a hotel room watching it over, over Zoom. So I don't really see the benefit of them keeping this going. I mean, they just canceled the Junos, you know, uh, which is it's like the 50th anniversary of the Junos and they, they canceled that. So I, I'm really surprised to, to see the ECMAs are just going to push forward and, and really just leave artists, you know, stuck at home and missing out on, on opportunities like that. Yeah, it's it's no doubt a tough situation, and I mean, I my heart screams for anybody who is, um, you know, put out a body of work in the last year, and and it's perhaps up for a nomination or has a big showcase, and we're looking forward to that. I mean, myself and Dan were chatting the other night, and and 
not only just to get out and, and do the, the showcasing and, and the, but man, just a little break just to get away. You know what I mean? Cause as musicians and, and, and artists, we're so used to traveling. We're so used to being on the road and we've been confined to the, to home. You know what I mean? Ever since, yeah. you know, since whenever, but um, when we were chatting the other night, you, you were mentioning, and I want to talk a little bit more about this um, in a little bit, but uh, not only were you going to showcase with, you know, Nick Earl and the Reckless Hearts, you were also going to be, uh, um, you know, working with a bunch of other bands as, as a, a member of those said bands. Like, Correct, so, yeah. so how does that work for, you know, for those bands as well? Was that, was that, that must've been a tough decision. It's really hard. You know, I, I was trying to to find a way to make it work. Uh, but realistically, it's really hard to, you know, willingly take two weeks off of work, let alone uh, whether you have to take a month off of work. Because um, basically right now, if you travel to Cape Breton, uh, it just changed. You do have to isolate for two weeks. And then when you return to Newfoundland, you have to isolate for two weeks as well. Uh, and the conference is May 5th to the 9th. So, you know, it's just a matter. So I was checking with all the bands I was playing with, like, who's going, who's, you know, how can we do this? Uh, and the second that it kind of came down that you were really unsure about the the bubble everybody that i was playing with was just like it's not going to happen we're not going to be able to do it that's it um which is really tough for for artists that um not only are you know established or have been going to this conference for for many years but like um you know myself like i have you know i'm exporting new content i have a new record coming Uh, i have a bunch of new music done that i'm really excited to showcase and feel like i've had a a bunch of growth in the past year but also the new artists who haven't attended that conference before or haven't had an export buyer showcase uh, or haven't done the grind or haven't toured now can get the chance to get in front of you know presenters and be able to you know tour in the the next year so it's really just another it's that we're going into the second year of of musicians careers being derailed essentially and there's there's not a whole a lot of people holding on anymore which is which is tough to see and sad to see um and all i can do is give my props to the artists that are still holding on and and still gigging and, and doing what they can yeah and i'm right there with you man i lots of props to anybody who's who's still grinding and and um and i i, I want to talk about the the um the side work you do with with a number of bands but um it, what was I, I i wanted to mention something then it was um no, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. Anyways, uh, the side work that you do do, I know you do work with a number of bands and a number of different artists and stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the people that you've, you've played with and you work with, you know, especially in the last few years for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, right now I play, I play guitar for Justin Fancy, who uh, just uh, has been nominated for an ECMA and is really making a surge in the, in the Canadian country. Absolutely. Music scene. Yeah. Great record. Uh, I mean, great guy. I mean, just great tunes. You know what I mean? Like, Man, nailed it, it yeah oh yeah that that record is just is phenomenal um yeah lots of hits <laughs> and uh, I, I work with rosemary lawton who uh who's been you know a multiple award uh, multiple time award nominee at, uh, music nl and, and whatnot i play guitar for claire follett uh, i play guitar for rachel cousins and uh and then another exporting young artist from here abigail who cut a country record i uh, was gonna go be her session player so it um that was her first kind of you know, exposure outside of this province at the ECMAs, but, but yeah, so that's, uh, th- those are my main side gigs right now. And, and, uh, of course I, I gig with you sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. We've had a few, we've, we've had, had a few, few. <laughs> we've spent a few, uh, um, late night tips Eve going into Christmas Eve's here on, uh, on, uh, I probably shouldn't uh, divulge my address, but downtown St. John's anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I kind of want to talk about COVID, man, and what, how, like, how it's affected you. I mean, we just discussed the ECMAs. I mean, you know, what have they been the 
the effects and the what have you you what have you done to uh, to kind of keep yourself afloat and and to try to keep your name out there and and, and like what were some of the methods you used to try to keep on top of things and and to try to keep your chops up and and yeah whatever you know yeah, so for, for me, as a, it's been a strange blessing in disguise, at least musically. Uh, I worked as a touring artist, you know, from high school uh, up until COVID, basically. And, uh, and when COVID hit, um, I just didn't know what to do. So, of course, you, you know, you're trying to, you, the CERB came in at first and, you know, still sitting at home doing stream shows and doing whatever we could. And then as soon as June of last year hit, I basically just throw my name in the hat uh, in the cover scene downtown St. John's. So, like, that George Street, that whole strip, uh, I threw my name in the hat and I started off doing a, a couple gigs a week. And then it, it just kept building up and building up and building up to the point where I'm doing nine or 10, four hour <laughs> slots a week, uh, just gigging and doing what I can. And what's really crazy about all that is that, you know, when I first started, you know, doing those, I'd be doing two, four hour nights, I'd be burned out. I, I'd be completely burned out. My voice would be blown out. And I just couldn't keep up with it. So throughout all this, it's been a matter of, of, of you know, working my vocal cords, and get my voice stronger. But also throughout all that, you're, you know, whether you're doing cover stuff or you're doing your own music, you, you learn what people like. You know, doing something a bunch of times is not necessarily a bad thing. You keep learning and growing. Um, so, you know, the last almost year now has been tons of self-growth in terms of playing and um and it's just a matter of, of getting reps in, but, uh, but without, you know, with COVID that's what happened. And without it, I would probably be touring and, and traveling a bit more, but, uh, it was just making the best of, of a bad situation. And, uh, I've had, had help from some great friends and, uh, and whatnot in the, in the community, in the music community here of just being like, Hey, check over here. There could be a gig here for you, or there could be something coming up here. Um, that's one thing I do love about our music scene here is that I, I know it's been competitive in the past. And what it seems like now is that most people are, are there out there to support each other. And, uh, if there's a gig here or someone needs help here or you know if someone's playing a venue across the street and needs strings or a capo or something we're, we're we're a pretty big family it seems yeah and i think we've been pretty lucky you know what i mean i've beaten around that scene for a number of years as well on top of traveling and touring and, and releasing original material i mean that's been a uh my bread and butter is 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 george street essentially and and you know for anybody who doesn't or hasn't been to Newfoundland maybe, or, or who has never been to St. John's. I mean, George street is a street on St. John, uh, in St. John's right downtown, right on the water. I mean, I think it houses, I want to say like 21 bars, I think, or, or a number like that. It has, uh, you know, over half of them are at least live music venues. There's live music every single night at a ton of these different bars. You can hear, you know, you can go from one bar and hear Irish trad music. You can hear classic rock. You can hear hip hop. You can hear heavy metal. I mean, there's all kinds of different genres, genres, sorry. And, and you're right, Nick, you nailed it. I mean, it's a big family. Everyone's very supportive and, and it's happy that it's it's like that because I'll tell you what, man, when I first started kind of doing that, it wasn't necessarily like that. It was a bit yeah. tougher to kind of break into that. I mean, everyone kind of held their gigs in high regard and to have a new person kind of come in and, and, and maybe I don't want to say steal them, but maybe take a few of them over. I mean, it always kind of gutted people, but everybody kind of, it all kind of works out in the end. I mean, everyone kind of mm-hmm. moves around a bit and all that stuff. So, I mean, you're right. But one thing that, that, that caught me then when, when we were just chatting and you said, you know, um, 
uh, about how you said you're, you're after the first couple, your voice had burned out. You know what I mean? And, and it seems like now you're getting more used to it. I was sitting with Robert Kelly um, last week, who's a friend of both of ours. I mean, we've both worked with him in, on a, on a ton of different projects. Uh, and he gave me a sneak peek of something new that you're recording. Don't tell him I told you, but he gave <laughs> me a sneak peek. Actually, I came in there and he was, he was mixing it. And I heard it. And I just said, damn man i said man nick's vocal chops are so up man he looked at me he said yeah that's from his apprenticeship on george street because that is what it is man i mean people i think i think that's one of the best things that young musicians in our city can do is go out and face people head on like you said you learn what people know and like you learn how to control your voice you learn how to control the situation i mean it's it's essentially an apprenticeship i mean you kind of did it backwards because you're on the road first more but now it's like it's such a great thing for you because now your two worlds kind of collide you've gotten that major experience from really pushing yourself almost every single night you know what the road is like so i mean hopefully when this fucking covid thing is over you can bash both of those together and just be an absolute legend like you already are to be honest. <laughs> man I, I i can't wait it's just one of those things that like I, i've definitely you know you don't want to be one of those people patting yourselves on the back but i've worked my ass off the past nine months uh i think if i did that if you average the number i've i've averaged 30 hours of singing a week over <laughs> nine months um and you know, I, I have uh, I have seven new tracks recorded. I have an acoustic record pretty much done. Um, so I'm I'm throwing a single out uh, early in May. Just get just get some content out there and just be like, you know what, people like when stuff opens up, I will be back. I will be touring. Things will happen again. And yep. just to let, you know, I'm I'm still here. I'm still working hard. And and uh, yeah, there's a lot more to come. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No doubt. And I mean, I think your your fans and 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 are they're looking forward to that i mean i'm looking forward to the new record man i i like i say i heard a couple of the tracks that robert kind of gave me a little glimpse and they're fantastic man so i think that people are really going to really going to like them and and uh they're going to be uh, recepted really 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 well i mean so really looking forward to that as well um besides that do you have any big plans kind of for the future i mean i know it's hard to plan nick i mean it's we don't really know what the situation is and anything that, drop at a time do you have any touring plans even within the island plan or are you just gonna keep grinding for the summer and, and keep working on your new records yeah so for me right now the plan i'm gonna grind out my summer and still uh, release material accordingly you know ho hopefully uh, three to four singles over this year and then drop the record next year um but what's you know what i'm kind of hoping is that when my virtual showcase gets submitted to the ecmas um buyers will be looking to book festivals for 2022 and hopefully at the least i'll be able to do an atlantic canadian tour um whether it's myself whether it's me and the band whatever it is just to get out there and just you know share my music and share what i'm creating and just you know just get out of the province and move around <laughs> a bit right <laughs> i hear you man I'm, I'm right there in the same boat i'm looking forward to too uh i want to ask you a couple like kind of fun little questions um that i think people might like and and kind of just to get into your brain a bit like can you talk about some of your songwriting processes like i know everybody kind of writes differently i mean some people take a pen to pad and write a song some people I, you know there's all kinds of different things like i've i've sit i've sat on a plane and and i've wrote a full sheet of lyrics with no melody in my head, just full lyrics. Then come home yeah. and stick a song behind it. Like, can you talk about some of the songwriting process for yourself? Man, uh, lately what it's been, uh, I've been just trying to 
create stuff that's a little more commercially accessible. Um, and it's just been trying to have a hook. So like the second that you get something that's a hook, uh, focus on that and try to get a course. Because if you have a catchy course that people are going to remember that song, you know what I mean? And don't be, don't be scared of the boundary or the genre, whatever you're writing for. Um, so it's like, once you have that course and if you have a strong course, you're like, you have a song, you know what I mean? So it's just a matter of developing a structure that is friendly for that course. And, you know, this is for, you know, music that's, you know, trying to be commercially accessible. You know, it's a very, you have your intro, your verse, your pre-course, course, maybe a bridge. For me, it's probably a guitar solo because I like <laughs> guitar solos. Um, but yeah, man, once you have a hook, like your the, the hook is what, what does it? Um, I've written other songs that uh, I had something in my mind or something that was close to me. And, um, and maybe I, I wrote it a little differently to set down with an acoustic guitar. But um, it, for me, it kind of depends what I'm writing. I mean, I've had... Um, scenarios like, like queen of the night is a tune that i've written and i've been performing a whole bunch and that's going to be the lead single um for this next record i just got the artwork back for it today i'm very very excited but i saw queen of the night written down somewhere i don't know what i was reading i don't remember if it was the paper or magazine but i saw that and i just wrote that down i just wrote down queen of the night yeah and and then that's a hook me, that's a line yeah that right and then so you know the whole song for for me it's it's about you know when you're when you're in a bar, if you're on George Street, particularly, which is like a bar street, essentially, you know, that person that, you know, captures someone's attention or they think the whole night's kind of about them and you see them in the bar and and but but everyone's kind of like, yeah, you know what? You know, she's the life of the party. She's the queen of the night. So right. that's what that song right away. That's just what I thought of. And it was like, I'm working in nightlife right now. That's what I'm doing. Um, so that that's what worked for me. Um, but like, you know, in contrast, another tune I wrote. um, it's called borrowed time and that'll be out. And that's kind of just about working away from, from someone you love. And, and really that's just from, you know, torn and, and, you know, having someone at home waiting for you. Uh, and that is like, you know, I hope that people, you know, will hold on to the hook, but it's more just so about telling a story. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, if you write it, if you've written one song, you're a songwriter. And uh, if you got something to say and you can put it across in music, um, that's a beautiful thing to be able to do. And also if you, you know, capture people's attention and emotions, uh, they'll probably buy your records too. So <laughs> <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to, man. I no, but hilariously enough, you nailed it. That's exactly what it's like. But I mean, you mentioned the commercial side of it. Like, are, are you trying to write it in the sense that like it could get picked up for a, like a movie or like, or like commercially, you mean radio wise, like what, what, so, what do yeah, you decide I, between those? So music for me, music that's commercially accessible is music that you'll hear on the radio. It's music that isn't too long. Uh, it's music that'll be thrown into curated playlists. Uh, and it's music that is not necessarily what's being put out right now, but it relates to what's being put out right now. So, you know, what I'm writing is still in the context of a band. Cause I like playing in a four piece or a three piece band right now. It's going to be a four piece. Um, but I like, you know, that rock band traditional sense where, you know, we're singing our songs and we're playing them and doing it. Um, but some of the formats and the song structures are accessible, like something you'd hear on the radio right now. So, you know, no, it's I don't have a, a brother making my beats and I'm not Billie Eilish with sweet dyed hair, although I might die. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it's just it's just in that same format of, of it'll be accessible to people and hopefully be picked up by radio. So, you know, it, it's funny when you talk about these little like industry insider things. It's like you want, you know, if you want your shit on CBC, three and a half minutes. Um, don't curse that much anyway. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll, otherwise, they'll put you on the late night playlist. I said shit in my first single and uh, it still got played. So, oh, sweet, you know, sweet, but it was yeah. just like after after 10 p.m. They'll play it, you know. Right. And uh, I know Bill Roach played 
excited for me. Uh, he was like the first person on CBC to play on the East Coast Music Hour. Uh, mm-hmm. And I got, a, I got a text and he's just like, I didn't know you said shit in it. What's going on? But, you know, that's that's it. You know, and you want to make sure that it's it's hooky and over, you know, 100 BPM. <laughs> <laughs> so it's grooving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing I wanted to pick your brain on, I really wanted to ask you because I feel like you would have an interesting answer to this. Um, because you're a young musician and you're a young man, I mean, you, you have a, a ton of credibility. You have a ton of uh, experience. When I talk to you, I never, I, I forget how young you are. I mean, I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it up, but I'm sure that no, fucking drives you nuts a lot of times. <laughs> people always saying that shit. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, man, is okay. How can I word this properly? Um, essentially, what I'm going to ask you about is streaming platforms, okay? Okay. Because I grew up, I put out a record. My first record I put out, there was no such thing as Spotify. There was no Apple. There was Apple Music, sorry, but it was it was you could you could only go on and buy records or singles. You didn't go on. There was no streaming side of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you know, I really felt the pinch when I put out my second record and streaming services were really coming on then. And, and I, you know, I see, because I seen what the potential there was for people to purchase digital albums online. And on top of that, hard copy CDs. I mean, nobody's buying hard CDs anymore and it's such a shame. I mean, but you can't really knock anybody because who has a CD player? I mean, I have one at my cabin in my shed, I think, you know, like it's like uh, they don't come in vehicles anymore. Obviously vinyl is huge again now, which is really, really neat. I know you have a vinyl out as well Mm -hmm. uh, of the last record. It's a, it's a red record, right? Isn't that? It is. Yeah. yeah. That's really, that's that's, that's hot, man. Really sexy, sexy stuff. Collector item, baby. That's yeah. Yeah. But what's your, what's your kind of thoughts on the, on the streaming side of, of music. And um, because I feel like, someone like yourself, like you've, you've probably found it pretty difficult to make revenue off of your recorded music, right? Yeah. So the only way that I make money off CDs, for example, or, or stuff that's like physical pressings is when I tour. Um, because when you, when you tour, you play a show, you do a little meet thing afterwards, people want to take a PC at home and that's when they get a CD or get a vinyl, you sign it, you meet them, shake a hand, take a picture, you know, you want to make that a personal experience and that's when you sell records. But otherwise records in stores are not selling CDs in stores are not selling. Um, and of course, iTunes, people aren't going in and buying not, it's tunes for yeah, 99 iTunes, cents anymore. Sorry, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I don't actually know if that's um, an option. I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even, yeah, I don't even know if you could do that anymore. Because uh, I, I remember like, uh, you know, you know, having an iPod back in the day and like there were some songs you really wanted to buy, you know, and, you, have, you know, going to get a, a card and, and just, you know, put money on your account and, and buying stuff that way. So um but yeah, streaming for me, it's, it's bittersweet because like a Spotify stream, for example, pays a tenth of a cent per one stream, right? So that's what a stream is. Okay, for at. everybody listening at home right now, can you just repeat that number, please? Okay, so one stream on Spotify is worth a tenth of a cent. That's one play. So every time you play Nick's song or my song or anybody's song, that's one tenth of a penny, right? Yes. Oh, exactly. my God. Yeah, exactly. So. So that's where you start getting a little bitter when your streams go up and then you you realize how much you're earning revenue wise. But here's here's the flip side of that. Okay. So I'm I'm a, a musician, I'm a full-time musician here in St. John's, Newfoundland, in a tiny island in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. No one knows I'm here, right? 
I have 200,000 streams right now on Spotify. That's my number. Okay. If I was just a kid waving business cards and CDs, do you think that my stuff would be listened to 200,000 times? No, so absolutely that, not. A, so that's the that's the flip side of it. Do I think that there should be a way that uh, Spotify could um, pay their artists better or find a way to monetize their platform more um, so they can they can increase their artist payout? A hundred percent. But uh, I'm not bitter about the platform in the same way that a lot of people are. I don't like the pay thing, but I do like the exposure. So it's like when all of a sudden, you know, I put out a record. And now all of a sudden I'm on. The, if you listen to the Trues or if you listen to Matt Mays or, or Matt Anderson uh, or the you know different Canadian bands like that. Now, all of a sudden I'm on their artist radio. You know what I mean? Or it's like if you're in this random playlist, you're listening to the hip and all of a sudden a Nick Roll track comes on. It's like, I don't know who that kid is, but I happen to like that song. You know, now they save that. Oh, oh and now someone just, you know, you got another follow on Instagram. Instagram. And then you can go into Spotify and see where people are listening to. So if I if I now all of a sudden have, you know, uh, a thousand listeners in Rhode Island, I'm going to go to Rhode Island. And, you know, when things open back up, you can plot your tours around stuff like that. So yep. it, nope. it's a useful tool that way. Um, but in terms of people that want to support artists, if you want to support the artists, go to their website, um, buy their CD, buy their hoodie, buy their shirts, their beanie, whatever they have, because um, Spotify doesn't pay the bills it won't pay the bills unless if they uh if they change change what they're doing and then also you got to realize that a lot of artists have to pay out um you know like a publishing royalty or various costs so it's like out of everything that i've seen uh, the two hundred thousand streams i've earned and everything i think what i might have had from that is four hundred dollars maybe yeah so just you know just think about all that you know if you consume music i consume music with spotify too so i can't even i can't even say you know i'm better better than anyone i but, think everybody uh, does i mean i do we all complain about it but we all use the service because it's so accessible and you and, are yeah. you have instant instant finds of music and and i do the same thing like you just mentioned is is how how do i find artists i find them because i put on playlists and i stumbled across them randomly and then exactly. i'm like damn it i love this songwriter and then they become my favorite songwriter and then i hope that when they come to play in new or I'm somewhere else in the country that I can go check out a show because I became a fan of them because of Spotify. You nailed it on the head there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the algorithm on Spotify is brilliant. I mean, there's so many bands and so many artists that, like you mentioned, you'll, you'd never find them and now they become your favorite artists and they'll be in your, they'll be in your library and your catalog of music for life. Like that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. Who are some of your, like uh, your favorite Canadian artists right now? Who do you, who are you listening to? Anyone? Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big goof for Matt Mays. Love Matt Mays. Me too, Mays, man. Always. I love Mays. Yeah. Uh, the Trues just dropped a new single. Uh, they wrote with uh, Chris Kirby, which is always fun. He's another Newfoundland boy. Yeah, you were out on the road with with Chris. I think just before COVID in the winter, I, I believe. Right? What was man, that? We, what was that we, tour about? So we did a tour with with Os with OSAC. They're um they're the Saskatchewan Arts Council, and we were doing theaters every night, and it was it was phenomenal. It was I mean they uh, the provincial organization of course worked really really hard to to pack those venues. Uh, to see, you know, and we were playing like rural Saskatchewan, like we did like 14 or 15 shows um, and vir virtually unknown out in those various communities. And uh, and some venues were, were, you know, almost a thousand people out there. So it was like it was just absolutely incredible. Um, they presented it as like Red Hot Blues, which was lovely because we did that. But then we also did some of our own stuff as well. Sure, yeah. uh, and talking about, in, you know, engaging with communities and things like that. It was just it's just a brilliant way to do it um and osac is something that you can actually go showcase for um so if anyone here is listening you know an artist or you are an artist or whatever you're doing um you can go showcase look up osac o o s a k you know uh, look it up online yeah. 
Um, nope. OSAC. Sorry. It's the Arts <laughs> Council of Saskatchewan. No kidding. Right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and you can, you can go hopefully find yourself a tour. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Touring out West is so much fun. Um, the drives are a little, a little long. What's the joke? So like, you know, you can like in the prairies, you can watch your dog run away for three days. <laughs> yeah. Especially but, the uh, prairies. I mean, if you're out in like, if you're out in BC or something, I mean, it's just fucking beautiful out there, you know, like the, but yeah, the Manitoba, Saskatchewan is pretty, pretty uh, long and dry. You know, there's not much, not much seeing there for the driving stuff, but the people are so receptive and friendly, you know, oh, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's, uh, it's cool, man. I've done, I've done some, you know, interesting tours like that. Um, that was a, that was a, you know, that one feels bougie, you know, you're doing theaters every night and yeah, yeah. sleeping in a hotel and it's great. <laughs> but also, you know, I've done the home roots tour, which is another brilliant thing. That's a house concert tour. You're playing in strangers homes and sleeping there and then driving somewhere else the next day. And, right. and, uh, you know, I've, done tours where i ended up down in the u.s and the only way to make money was sleep in the van and and shower with bottled water so you know (laughs) what i mean it's just like yeah if you if you want to work at music you're gonna find a way to make it work that's just this is how it goes um there's you know some people who are who are lifers and i'm probably guilty like i I just you know as much as you want to have a backup plan and do something else it's just like or not even want to do something else but have the ability to do it it's just man once you get once you get so deep like that's it you know i'm like i guess eight years into gigging for money and I'm almost four years into doing it full time. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, you know, this is what I want to do and build, have, build my life. Worked, my future have you ever this. worked a normal job? <laughs> Man, I, I was a produce clerk for a hot minute and I loved it. <laughs> it was sweet. Yeah. Oh man. Stacking fruit all the same. If I could make like a, like a, like a good wage stacking fruit, like I'd do it. Like, Cause it was, it was deadly. <laughs> Yeah, if uh, if there's any like produce manager gigs out there, just like guys, just hit me up. Holler, holler. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, man, I did that. I worked at a movie theater and did cool, cool. So you, stuff, you've you've but... done a few other things, but I mean, obviously, you know, you're a rock star, Nick. Man, this is in your blood. You know this, man. Like you, you love it. You, we see it in your face every night when I when I see you perform, and uh, uh, you're a real, obviously, an, an incredible talent. But you're just a real treat to talk to, man. I know we're we're friends, and we've spent a few nights together, and and it's always a real real pleasure to uh to get to chat with you. Um, for folks locally, where can we find you two if we want to see you? If we want to see Nick Earl, Nick Earl's face and his left-handed guitar. Man, if you are in St. John's or anywhere within a thousand kilometers and you want to drive to see me, I will be at Green Sleeves on George Street on Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. <laughs> uh, if, uh, if, but they're uh, all like they're for, you know they're all like a little bit different though because sometimes you're with Derek or or another so for, duo yeah, so and there's a band. Yep. So Fridays I play with Derek Graham and Saturdays uh, we have a band uh, called Glory Days, which plays no Springsteen, but uh, we, really, we, oh yeah, zero, zero percent. That is the funniest. <laughs> I never realized that, and that makes that <laughs> so good, man. Um, Thursdays I play at the Newfoundland Embassy. Um, uh, right now, uh, Saturdays before I play at Green Sleeves, I play at Golf Shots in Mount Pearl, and then Sundays I do a, a matinee show at, at Kitty Vitty Brewery. Uh, from two to five so i haven't added all that up but sunday to sunday it's usually like nine or ten gigs um so i'm out a lot and it's not it's not just cover stuff i'm singing my own stuff i'm singing what i used to work on i'm singing what i'm working on i just i do whatever i can uh to get my own music out there but also make sure the room is happy and and uh everyone's having a good time that's a great that's a great outlook man and 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 for anybody abroad who may be listening not from newfoundland where can we find you online yeah, so anywhere that you can stream music, uh, like Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, all that, I'm there. Uh, and uh, 
Uh, if you want to go to my website, nickgirl.ca, you can order a CD or vinyl or any merch that way. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm always posting stuff. So that's uh, you just put Nick Earl on Facebook. My, my musician page will come up. And it's Nick underscore Earl on Instagram. And if you follow me, I'll probably follow you back. So, uh, you know. That you can find everything I'm doing there, and and I'll be posting links to, to music videos and, and new singles when they're coming out and, and whatnot. Well, I'm looking forward to that, man. Uh, thanks so much, Nick, again for taking a little bit of your time today to come on and join me, and uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm a, I'm a fan of the podcast, so it's uh, I'm glad to be glad to be part of it. Oh, uh, awesome! All right, man. Thanks, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yes, man. See ya. Huge thanks to Nick Earl for coming on there. I uh, really appreciate him taking the time and, and just coming on for a chat and, and you know, telling everything about what he's been up to and, you know, what he's done over the last number of years and, you know, what he's got planned for the future. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to check this guy out, if you are in St. John's, make sure you do get out. Uh, full of energy, incredible songs. Uh, you know, both his, like his songs are incredible and, and the stuff that, you know, some nights he does at green sleeves and, and those other places he had mentioned, you know, great, great song choice, just like you say, full of energy and, uh, yeah, big thanks to Nick Earl for, for coming on there. Um, you know, that about wraps it up for me, guys. Big thanks to everybody who's been tuning into the podcast. Still looking for a sponsor. You want to hit me up and pay me for my few hours of doing these podcasts. It'd be awesome. Uh, you know, got a pretty good reach of these going there now. Getting a ton of people writing me every week, you know, really looking forward to the podcast and stuff. So maybe if you're a business or an individual who'd like to sponsor this podcast, please, please hit me up. Uh, if you are looking to find me <clears throat> playing some music this weekend, you can find me. Uh, Thursday, I'm at the Republic um, uh, at 10 o'clock or 10.30. And Friday, I am at Trinity Pub at 10.30. And Sunday, I am at Greensleeves at 6.30. So hopefully we'll catch you out to a live show somewhere down the line, guys. Um, make sure you do stick around for... Uh, sorry, Jesus. Make sure you go check out Nick Earl. I'm too far into this outro to cut this one now and edit it, so I'm just going to roll with it. If you want to find me, guys, on my social media, you know where you get me. You can get me on uh, on Instagram, at Dave Witty, Facebook, Dave Witty. Uh, and please subscribe and like my YouTube channel. And if you, uh, you've you been enjoying these, shoot me a message. Let me know uh, what you've been thinking about these podcasts and, and all the guests. And if you got any you know ideas or you want to hear somebody special in the podcast, let me know. Um, We'll have a chat with whoever. I mean, I just like chatting with funny and interesting and cool people. People who got a great story and people who are up to real neat things. So uh, that about does it for me, guys. Um, we'll check you out next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Peace.